0: this thing yet have we are we testing it now all right the way we do things now you know usually we have a little stop and go in the service one of the the great things i miss about an offering and a special song is you get time to go somewhere and put all this together but the way we're doing things right now we don't do those things so (laughs) here we are pastor troy is in arizona He's seeing his folks who he has not been able to see for quite a while. They're getting up in their years a bit, and uh, I'm just thrilled to death he got to go see them, and I hope he is having a great time. It looks like he is. And uh, Pastor uh, Thomas and Kaylee, Thomas was going to be here and share some of these responsibilities today, but found out that they're one of their kids, I think it was the was uh, the the daughter. What's her name? I feel like Joe Biden right now. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) There's some of you that are laughing. Some of you are going. (laughs) You're looking for that emoji on your phone, the guy that's red and going like that. And I'm going to get a bunch of those on my phone later. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) <laughs> oh goodness lord help us this day as we examine your word to really make a difference may it may it shape us may it mold us and in spite of who it is that's bringing it and sharing it lord would you speak through all of that and may the truth of the gospel of christ be planted in our hearts today so we can make a difference for the call Amen. If you want to take your Bibles today and turn to the first chapter of the book of Romans, you know, I don't know how many sermons I have heard over my life out of that first chapter of the book of Romans. There's so much. Paul, you know, he had a way of not really beating around the bush a whole lot. You know, he comes on and he says who he is and some things like that because these are letters to the church that he's sharing. They're epistles that he writes to churches that he's probably helped plant He's for sure being the guy that's discipling them and all of that. And uh, he doesn't waste much time. He gets right to the point of things. So let's go to chapter 1, verse 16. Actually, go to 14. That's where I'm going to start today. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. And that's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. And that's the camp most of us fall into, the Gentile camp. God, oh, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You ever have somebody offer you that thought, well, how in the world can he call it all in at the end when there may be those out there that have never heard of the gospel? Well, there's your scripture. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, and men committed indecent acts with other men and received themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, they, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, every greed, depravity, And they are full of envy and murder and strife, deceit and malice. And they are gossips, let that one not escape us, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless and faithless and heartless and ruthless. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Wow. Verse 16 again says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, that was going to be the only two verses I preached on today, just so you know. But the one I was studying and reading through this, I couldn't get away from the rest of it. Because it's what's going on in our world right now. And I'm not hearing this a lot. I see a lot of challenge to it on Facebook and in in people I went to college with and I'm friends with. And they challenge these things. And when I watch and hear about what is said, I don't watch a lot of TV preachers because I'm in church. So right now, because of live streaming, guess what I am? I'm a TV preacher. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Ask me that when I got saved at age 15 and see if I would have told you that would happen someday. Nope. (laughs) Kind of freaky right now if you want to know the truth. Let's pray. We need you, Lord. We need you desperately. And Lord, we live in a world that has decided for the most part we've gone past those who really know much about you at all. I'm reminded, Lord, of the neighbor lady who came over and was looking at Betty's picture on the wall. It was a picture of the nativity. And she said, what is that? What's that about? She had no concept of who Christ is. Father, this day we need power. We can't really function in this world as Christians, as people of God without your Holy Spirit's presence in our life. And I'm reminded of those in Scripture who said, Lord, I'm not going to leave here. We're not going to leave this place unless you go with us. And Father, I I would love for this to be that kind of a day and this kind of a place where your people would say, we're not leaving here without you, Lord. This This is too crazy out there. And you're not you're, you know, there's just a lot of things out there that are not godly. And if you're not with us, Lord, we can't make it. We're that desperate, Lord. So bless us with your presence. Fill us with your power. And may the words printed in red jump out at us as we read your word and as we remember things that Jesus said And these letter that Paul wrote to the Romans today, I pray, O oh God, would challenge us to move closer to the Spirit's fire. We pray in your name. Amen. These two verses contain one of the greatest summaries of, God, of the gospel I think that's ever been written. It's clear declaration of God's power to save all who believe, no matter what their nationality, no matter what their race, or their skin color, or their status in society. And it's a clear explanation of why Paul the Apostle was never ashamed of the gospel. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because it was the good news. Which kind of news do you like to share? What comes out of your lips the fastest? (laughs) You know, bad news travels pretty fast too, doesn't it? But the one that I like to pack around is the good news. I like coming to people and and saying, man, Tom Van Diepen, have you seen that sheep he got? Let me show you a picture of that. This is the most awesome news there is, you know. I like sharing good news. I like sharing the gospel with people. Saying, you know, we all are condemned. But you know what? We don't have to be condemned because Jesus died so we don't have to be. And that's good news. Let me tell you. So who doesn't like to be the bearer of good news? Yet actually, Paul had every human reason to be ashamed and to be afraid. probably a lot like ours Paul's day was a day of moral degeneracy the hideous days of nero were not a good thing rome was a moral sewer of detestable and inconceivable wickedness and this condition stands directly opposed to the the moral righteousness of the of the gospel paul was by nationality a jew that was a race of people thought to be by many a despicable subhuman race. They weren't highly thought of. The tendency for Paul would have been to have been naturally tempted to shy away from the, the non-Jews. And later after he came to Christ to the, even the non-Christians. He wasn't accepted by Christians for a while. If you remember reading this, uh, his letters, read the book of Acts, you'll find out about that. And anyone who was not a believer as he was, could have shied away from all of that. Paul preached almost an unbelievable gospel. What's crazy is he was just preaching the straight truth. <laughs> but like like in this day and age, sometimes when you preach the straight truth, it seems unbelievable, doesn't it? I've got to tell you, this isn't in the notes, wasn't planned to be said, but at age 14, when the gospel was presented to me, I had never heard it. It had never been put to me that way. I knew about Jesus and I knew about God, at least in in terminology, but nobody had ever told me what the gospel was all about, and I went forward in a high school auditorium and received Jesus as my Savior. Did I know exactly then? The minute I say it got saved, I'm going to call it that. The minute I got saved, did I know everything there was to know from that day forward? Absolutely not. I wasn't too sure what was going on. I had an incredible pull inside my soul to go forward and receive Christ. And there was a man named Clarence who took my brother and I backstage in the high school auditorium behind the big theater curtain. I'm scared to death. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm grasping at straws. I can't hold still. I walk forward. This guy named Clarence, he had bib overalls on, blue jean bib overalls, and big dark rimmed glasses, and he had a hairdo like Steve. That's all I can Remember? All I can remember, and I never saw him again. He explained to us what the gospel was all about and what we were doing. Wow. And I've never looked back. I've been absolutely perfect in my walk with God. I've never What was that? What are you guys chuckling about? No, I've had my my failures. I've had my victories, thank God. Paul preached an almost unbelievable gospel. Check. Jesus. He's preaching about a male member of the Jewish race that was said to be the Savior of the world. Check. Jesus was said to be a mere man and the Son of God. I still had trouble exactly explaining all that, okay? Check. His death and resurrection. He died. And He was resurrected. You go talking about that. Explain that one to the Greeks, these knowledgeable people who are always looking for ways to, to outdo one another in an in a d- intellectual discussion that Paul did quite well, by the way. Check, Jesus was born to be a mere man and the Son of God. And check, His death and resurrection. Check, He died for all men. So does the average person on the streets of America take this news much differently today than they did in Paul's day. Such unbelievable claims make the gospel a contemptible thing in the minds of many. Paul was often rejected, not by just a few persons, but at times by whole communities, whole towns. Paul was often rejected that way. Talk about a major sense of guilt complex you might get. I don't know how much of that I could take be pretty tough to go home at night and go, boy, it was awesome the way those people rejected me today. I can't wait to get out there and do it some more tomorrow. That's going to be great. The authorities imprisoned him at Philippi. The religionists ran him out of Thessalonica and threatened to kill him in Berea. The intellectuals laughed him out of Athens. They considered his message foolishness in Greece, and he was considered a stumbling block to his own people, the Jews. There were several times in Paul's life when he could have given up in shame. Fled to some part of the earth and become obscure to just melt into the landscape of just being normal. Just sort of disappear like so many of us do. You know, maybe you tried one time to share the gospel. Maybe it didn't go so well. Maybe you felt like you were rejected. If rejection was a case for quitting, Paul should have quit a way long time before he did, which he he never did. He died eventually for his faith. But prophets of God rarely have the luxury of just becoming normal. Hear that again. Prophets of God rarely have the luxury of just disappearing and becoming normal. Many are ashamed of the gospel today. There's fear of of intellectual shame. There's the fear that the gospel doesn't measure up against those smart folks out there, their theories, their philosophies. But actually, no greater philosophy exists. No greater reasoning has ever been worked through than that of the Gospel of God. You see, a man holds either to the philosophy and thought of the world or to the philosophy and thought of God's Son, the Gospel of Jesus. There should be no question about which is greater. First Corinthians uh, chapter one. Uh, Talks about that a little bit. I'm way rusty, you guys. I don't do this very much anymore. And things are not flowing like I wish they would. Just get that out in the open. Okay. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 18. This is just incredible what the scripture says. When you're starting to stumble, you're starting to fall, read the word. Okay, we're going to do it. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved. That's awesome. That's that's some great words right there. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. So where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of, of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. You don't find Christ through wisdom. You find him through faith. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Huh. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ, and some verses or some versions say and Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Wow. Well, then there's this fear of social shame that might have kept Paul from proclaiming the gospel. I think it sits on our minds a little bit, doesn't it? Some fear that if they proclaim the gospel, they'll get ridiculed, mocked. Might be rejected and ignored. They might get passed over in a job promotion or cut off completely from a family. Might be left without a job and livelihood. Man, in this day and age, this is crazy. The stuff that's going on. I don't know if you're aware, but just by you packing a Bible to work or sharing a scripture with a a workmate or almost anything that used to be considered about as innocuous as it can get, you can lose your job. Happening every day. If you say that the Word of God says that homosexuality is a sin, this cancel culture we live in is crazy. I don't know how we're going to get ahead of it. I have no clue. I think it's just part of the deal that's going to just wind up in a great big push. And one of these days, Christ's going to come back. He says, clap, it's over. Taking my church home. I'm going to give them over. It's too bad, too late, too far. We're out of here. Amen. Compared to many places on the globe, we American Christians, I think, even with all that we've got going on now, could be classed in the wimp status. As far as being compared to the many who suffer persecution around this world for the cause of Christ, you see the reason for paul 's consistent message to proclaim the gospel of God Romans one one is that above all else he knew the grace of Christ, he knew him force i mean you know, I enjoy talking about the day I received christ, and it was it was pretty momentous to me and momentous enough. I don't remember the exact day because I didn't know you were supposed to, but I can tell you the month and the year. I can tell you exactly where it was. I know who the preacher was. I remember Clarence, right? But if you're arriving down the road and you're riding your donkey (laughs) and you're just clipping right along and you're on your way to persecute some more Christians and all of a sudden there's a bolt of lightning you get knocked off your donkey and you're blind and there's a voice out of the heavens talking to you, that's pretty momentous. I'm going to get my attention. What do you think, Randy? Yeah, (laughs) that ought to do it, you know. That ought to do it. And there's this thing about walking away from your notes, trying to remember where you were. Four significant facts can back this up. Number one, the word power means the might, the energy, the force, the strength that is within God. It is the very nature of God to be all-powerful. Got a little tozer in there, Kevin, wherever you are. There you are, okay. God embodied all power. He embodies all power. He possesses all power. He gives power to whoever He chooses to give it to, and He can take power away from anyone He chooses as well. But incredibly, God chooses to use His power in an incredibly loving way. There is no hatred in God. He's a loving God. And that is the good news for you and I. He could wipe us off the face of the earth, but His nature is to love us and give us compassion and grace. He uses His power to send the gospel of Christ, which is the only real hope we have. I say that a lot at funerals, it seems like. You know, I I often will start with something like, you know, I understand that a lot of you believe that when you come to a funeral, the preacher's kind of got a captive audience. And I said, that's true. And we have a tendency, if we don't take advantage of the moment to offer you the only real hope we have for eternity, then we've missed the boat. That's why we capitalize on these opportunities to share with you. Because the only real hope And the only real thing for eternity I know is the gospel. That's it. That's all I got. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Sometimes, Lord, it's all we know to say. Because we know how we blew it yesterday. Yesterday. You know we may have spoke harshly. We know we may have done something that didn't represent you well. But Father, teach us somehow. Guide us. Help us to learn that the good news needs to come out of us instead of fire us up about stuff because our struggle is not against people. It's against the enemy. Amen. So God saves all who believe. Do You hear that? God saves all who believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. You know, I came through a time period, oh, I was probably, oh, 10 years into being in ministry, a youth pastor, and there was a movement to try and rearrange all of our jargon that we say. When you walk up to somebody that's not saved... And you say, are you saved? They don't have a clue what you're talking about. That was their thing. So we had to learn. I remember taking this course and I had to write my testimony and had to come down inside a minute. And I couldn't use words like saved. Couldn't use words like sanctified. Couldn't use words like spirit filled. And I'm going, I got nothing to say. (laughs) I got nothing. You know, and they, they tried to teach us to quit that. As soon as I got through that class, I quit doing that. I just... You know, those are scriptural words. Those are things we need to be able to share about. If they don't know about it, of course they don't know about it. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the gospel. It's there for us to share it with them. Romans 10. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe. And are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. I didn't learn that. Went with Romans 10, 9, and 10 for a long time until I actually read the Bible one day. and went, wow. Why don't we talk about that? But in order to get this salvation that the Bible speaks of, that Paul's speaking of, we got to believe. First thing. So a person who really believes commits herself, commits himself to whatever they say they believe in. Right? People believe in lots of things. And you, I tell you what, you, you talk to Christy Sandifer about those horses she raises... She's committed to those horses. She believes in those horses. She'll tell you everything you want to know about those things. She knows it all, man. And I just thought of her. I I don't know why. But we all believe in things. But to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, we've got to believe in our heart. It's got to be something that we sense. It's something we're drawn to. No man is drawn to the Father except the Father draws him first. You can't just get into heaven because you want to you got to go through the son of god. God's got the plan. He's got it figured out. We have to follow the plan. So we believe in him. If we are not committed, then we do not really believe. I don't really believe those horses Christie has are the only horse that walks. She does. You see, many people want to come to the family meetings, but they don't want to be involved in the family business. Get it? There is much more to belief as it relates to commitment and faith than just going to church. Some time ago, I was listening to AFR one day, and Don Wildman, who is the founder of American Family Association, he, was, he has these little snippets that he he's not that involved with it anymore as far as leadership goes, but he still comes on and he has these short things throughout the day. And he shared this with us. He said, All around us, our culture degenerates. The Bible calls for homosexuality or the Bible calls homosexuality a sin. He calls us to take the hope of the gospel to the world. Me? I go to church on Sunday, preacher preaches, I go home. It's the way we do it nowadays. The Bible says God calls abortion murder and an abomination to God's creation. He calls us, His people, His children, to take the hope of the gospel to those who are hurting and lost. Well, me, I go to church on Sunday. Preacher preaches, I go home. That's huh. The way we do it nowadays. My culture works hard at pushing God out of everything we have founded this nation upon, and Jesus calls on me to be the light in the darkness. Me? I go to church on Sunday. Preacher preaches, I go home. That's the way we do it nowadays. Many children grow up in homes that never know a godly influence. Me? I go to church. If it feels good. Nothing else to do. Preacher preaches. I go home. The way we do it. Both sides of my home and across the street. There's pain, sorrow, bondage, and guilt. Jesus has placed His hope and His peace and His Holy Spirit in me, the hope of glory. Me, I just go to church on Sunday. Preacher preaches. I go home. Hey, that's the way we do it nowadays. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And oh yeah, surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Me, maybe I go to church on Sunday preacher preaches I go home that's the way we do it nowadays maybe something like hey my name's Lenny I'm a Christian and i am set apart for the gospel of God what's your name you don't have to go to Bible college to do that The gospel saves any nationality or any race. It's God's power to love anyone. It's for anyone. And it's for everyone. Salvation means deliverance from sin. Through relationship with the one who loves us most. It means deliverance from mistakes, from corrupt ideas and thoughts, from immoral impurity, and from a crooked and perverse generation. Across the street, round the world, mission's still the same. We are so protective of our private time. I know this is crossing over from preaching to meddling. There's a huge need for the people of God to recognize how huge eternity and where we spend it really is. And how short is the time we actually have to share the gospel? If we truly believe, right here, the gospel of God is the good news, shouldn't we make whatever changes are necessary to get the word out? Or do we just hear the preacher preach and go home? Make it like any other day. I would ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. I think I may be a little over time. And if there's there's anything in any of this that has spoken to your heart and the Holy Spirit is tugging on you, and that's a good thing, that's not anything to be embarrassed about, that's a good thing. It means God has not given up on us yet. It's that God wants to work in our hearts and in our lives and help us to be part of the message of the gospel going forth. I'm gonna, it's not going to go any further than this because we're, we're out of time and when you have another service right behind one the other, you've got to pay attention. Here's what I'm going to do. If God has spoken to you and you know that he's spoken to you, I'm not saying, you know, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted him. Maybe you know you're not saved. Well, this is available to you right now. But maybe you've been here for a long time and maybe you've come to church on Sundays and you've heard the preacher preach and you went home. And it hasn't changed much. If you fit any of that, if God is speaking to you, we're going to close in prayer. If you want to just stand where you are and just be a testimony of that right now, that God says, said, I'm, I want to do this in your heart. I want to do this in your life. I want to call you deeper. I want you to be drawn to me. I want to make the difference that this world could be changed. Would you just stand where you are? if God is pulling on you like that, before we close in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, your desire is to walk In us, not right beside us, not around us, but you want to live in us. And Lord, the thought of just coming to church week after week, year after year, decade after decade, and not having found a difference does not appeal to me and to many of us. May we be hungry. May our appetite be sharp. To carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world like a light in the darkness, that it may cause such a tidal wave that this world could do nothing to repulse it, to hold it back, call it revival, whatever it is we need to do, oh God, whatever we want to call it. Uh, this world needs a change. And we say, Maranatha, and we say, Lord Jesus, come. But Father, there are those we know and love that we want to enter the kingdom of God. And along with that, we need to hear the words, well done, good, and faithful. Come on in. So Lord, take your church, transform us, make us something vital, Instead of something just willing to just be, that's what they do nowadays. Our desire is to be filled by the giver of life. Walk with us. Walk in us. Fill us. May we overflow with you. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for being patient. Sorry I went a little over. I don't know how far. Is that about right? I don't know. Tell me, I'll cut it back for second service. You guys were the practice, so that's good. Have a great day.